Greetings listeners from all corners of the world. It's the Esports Asia Weekly Podcast and we are back. The two of us back together. Reunited. How have you been, Dane? Um, not great. <laughs> but I'm getting better. <laughs> you are still sick, unfortunately. What do you usually take as a home remedy for colds? Over in- well, usually nothing. You just rest and <laughs> drink lots <laughs> okay. of water. But I've had a very sore throat recently. But mm. um, got some... Some butter menthols. I'm chewing on them. I'm good. Yeah, see? Dane has such a passion for podcasts. He's doing it at the expense of his own health. So we better listen to this episode. A real passion. For this episode, we're going to have four topics and a fifth topic to just uh, acknowledge what's going on in the industry. First, Konami is going to rename PES to eFootball and it's going to change it to -to free-to-play. Second, Indonesian teams will be withdrawing have been withdrawing from the Wild Rift, rather. And uh, third, One Esports will be renewing their partnership with Toyota. And they partnered with Blizzard, Activision, and Foodpanda for Call of Duty Thailand. And finally, Fnatic actually announced some esports safeguarding policies for <gasps> children, young people, and adults. Pretty awesome. Oh so, Dane, let's talk about the Konami things first. So, they yeah. renamed PS to eFootball. The news about this has been very subtle. Yeah, because the the news has only really talked about the fact that Konami has renamed PES to eFootball, uh, and I will mention that it's a lowercase e, e. <laughs> next to a capital F, which is probably it appeals uh, to the do it, I guess the previous generation. Well, I mean, I would look a bit silly if it was e capital e lowercase f. It would look like a fake word. Yeah, true. Um, but um, you know. It, so it's going free to play, and they're also going to add in cross-platform mm-hmm. um, play. This is kind of out of nowhere, really. Like, PES obviously gets, like, undershadowed by FIFA, but I think a lot of FIFA players hate FIFA. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> yes, it's always been there as the thing that's like, you know, hey, we're an alternative. I think and so. uh, it runs on the Fox engine, which is what... Um, uh, uh, how do I not remember my favorite game developer's name? <laughs> Hideo Kojima made for Metal Gear Solid. Oh, okay. okay. And it's a fantastic engine. It um, is, it is. So this switch to me, and specifically the name eFootball, screams to me that they're gearing this up to be the, the football title that they can present to like sporting events wanting to have an eSport component for football. Yeah. I mean, it just makes sense, right? Like, why else would you take a game and call it eFootball? Yeah, I mean, even the name eFootball is devoid of any affiliation to any league. Like FIFA, right? <laughs> FIFA is a bloody league. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that's where Konami is going with this. It'll be interesting to see because so often when we talk about eSports in real sport events, mm-hmm. it's hard to get over that hurdle of commercialization. Yeah. Um, where it's like, you either bring in a game that's established already, which has competitors and stuff. This still does, but it's like, it's just weird to bring in, like, you know, sports don't have a publisher. They, you know, where it, this still does, but I think just by calling it eFootball and making it free to play, it's better positioned to say, hey, we're more agnostic towards, you know, people and, and how they play our game, have a neutral name. You know, why not include our game in your sporting event for the football division? Um, yeah. So I, I thought that was interesting. There wasn't too much news about why they did it. So I'm just really guessing, but I, I think that's where they're positioning it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just can't wait for their monetization model to come out to see whether it's actually worth, whether, you know, it's actually going to be agnostic. <laughs> well, it can't be worse than FIFA. Yeah, for surely. sure. 
I can't see how it could be worse. Well, that aside, there's something more interesting. Indonesian Ooh. teams have been leaving while Rift Day and take us through it. Hmm, they have been. A couple of big teams, some smaller teams. And this ties back to what we talked about in the last episode with Grandin was that, that I mean, this has all started since um, Secret CEO Johnny R made a post, right? Yeah. Pretty much flaming Mobile Legends. <laughs> and, I mean, the essence of him saying it was that, gee, I hope if you have to sign exclusivity over for, like, to be commercial partners, I certainly hope that it's worth it for yeah. teams. And I guess it is in the perspective of a lot of teams um, because um, a bunch of teams in Indonesia have now dropped their Wild Rift teams. This yep. was a few of them in a couple of days, um, Bigatron being one of them. I think one of them changed their brand name also to separate their Wild Rift team. Yep. Um, now, obviously, if you're in Riot, you, you must feel like this is done in response to you. <laughs> you know, like this is, this is literally a coordinated attack on its competitor. Yeah. Because it's like multiple teams pulling out the Wild Rift within the same day. Indonesia being such a key region. Um, but yeah, we, so we clarified that um, if you want to play in the tournament... You can, if you have another team in Wild Rift. Yep. But if you want to share in the uh, extra commercial benefits and be like a, a, a partner in the league, you have to be exclusive to Mobile Legends. And um, as far as sources tell me, this is just stuff like reselling, you know, in-game skins and stuff like that through your team. Apparently, this is very profitable, um, and you can't do that unless you're uh, exclusive. So this is going to be a big challenge. I remember writing an article, and I'm sure I quoted that um, Indonesia was uh, MLBB's biggest player base, but I can't remember when I wrote it and what my source was. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it was like a massive amount, like a ridiculous amount of players. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. This is a real battleground, right, for Wild Rift. And um, I, it, this seems like a, a blow to them. I mean, when you've just got teams pulling out so early on into the esports ecosystem of yeah. wild rift yeah. um you and know the start of the circuit yeah. too right yeah yeah you know it's only really just getting started yeah um but we'll see I, like we know that uh riot has a lot of i'm sure long-term plans um for wild rift esports yeah um, we're still only at the beginning yeah. yeah but um yeah i mean what do you like do you think that this is like is this a, an early death because mlbb is kind of like just so big can like can wild rift actually stand up to them I think it's good that they're actually trying to be competitive because uh, you can be complacent and then your market share can just slip out from under you. Ooh. I mean, that's what happened to certain popular games. And uh, it's great that a company actually tries to intervene in its esports scene, similar to how Riot, uh, they, they, they reinforce and uh, enrich their esports IP, even though they don't really help the partners monetize in that sense. They do the IP enrichment via other means like music, movies, etc. Um, it's just good to see some competitiveness. <laughs> Can you imagine like Dota, right? We used to allow teams to sell their items on the store, the Dota 2 store. True, I've and, still got a Cloud9 thing. Yeah, and that was such a huge uh, revenue model. And uh, the DAC, which we both covered in the past, they mm -hmm. funded their entire tournament using... Uh, the, the battle pass the DAC battle pass yeah so, I remember it got to a point I remember a certain time of Dota where it was like buying a ticket for a tournament was like what courier do you get yeah What's exactly 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 and 
Dollar two, the fact that they rescinded it is like you know it's just stu- stupid. <laughs> like why are you doing? <laughs> wow, please. But yeah, I'm 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 really happy that Moonton is you know shaping up, and I think Riot will have to as well to remain competitive. So we're gonna see, uh, which teams are gonna you know wait for that Riot commercial contract. <laughs> you know, I felt I felt that. Um, I think Riot needs someone. Now, this is purely based off old experiences with yeah. older teams. But as a journalist in SEA or in esports, I didn't feel that Riot was particularly accessible. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you had questions to Woods, um, Riot-related things, yeah, it was almost like Riot employees positioned themselves to be so far above local media, which is like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. why would you bother me with this kind of thing? I think Riot needs someone to just simp for local media, <laughs> like an influencer <laughs> outreach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. media outreach. Like someone who's like not a traditional PR person mm-hmm. who just who just drafts a press release, sends it. Yeah. Someone who's like who's like they're chilling and, and, and just like saying what people want to hear to get more coverage about yeah. their game. I and just, and just be willing and open as a channel to be to to hear, you know, pro teams. Yeah, you or... can in right. You still you can all still look down on the people beneath you, and that's fine. <laughs> but to hire someone who's willing to to you know um, to talk to us, be accessible to to you know streamers or or content creators or whatever to make them feel like they're valued by yeah, Riot. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Because I just feel like that's something that's missing from the Riot equation. Mm. And in like most things like Riot, I think they a little bit live in the comfort of just like League of Legends being so big. Yeah. That they just think whatever else they will do will be so big. But even even Valve like falls victim to that and they just brought out trash afterwards and it's like <laughs> you're not too big to fail. And, True. You, and you need you need word of mouth, you need good marketing and you need influences. Yeah, yeah. Um anyway, that's a tangent, but just on a media level. Yeah. I just feel that you need someone in your company who knows how to manipulate media. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and journalists, journalists want to cover you, not when you send them a goodie bag, right? but when they think <laughs> you you value them. That's yeah. what journalists want to feel. They want to feel like my coverage... is going to make value. or break our game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just let them feel like that. Yeah. And they will cover it. Anyway. Yeah, the, the thing is, when I was working for a games company, the community manager was always the first one to get sacked. And he was like, to seem to be the most expendable. I'm like, actually, in modern times, looking at the West, all these community leaders and community managers, they transition very well to become streamers for a good reason. They can actually cultivate this very strong community around the game or around themselves. Like, it's your choice, right? Are you going to hire them and retain them and, you know, keep the community here and organic and really... Exactly, exactly. So many people, business people, the the damn fools, they think that we play games just based on the game. (laughs) But there is so (laughs) much culture, especially in online gaming, there's so much like... What 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 is your stream? What do your friends play? Yeah. What did you play at school? Like that that factors in so much to what games have like incredibly healthy and active audiences versus games that just come out and die in a week. Yeah. Oh, why is it? Because you need to have community there. <laughs> have anyway. community, damn it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> hope hope those hope these uh pro t- uh, sorry I hope these triple A companies listen to our good advice, million yeah. dollar advice. They won't. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, speaking of million dollars, One Esports will be renewing their partnerships with uh, Toyota for their GT Cup Asia 
2021, which I was involved in, proudly enough, for 2022. <laughs> and they... What capacity? Oh, uh, the platform. <laughs> via Meta.us. Okay. Via Meta.us. <gasps> yeah. Good times. Okay. Really good times. Good times. Good times. But uh, yeah, One Esports, you know, we've always struggled to understand what they were actually doing. But it seems that they are really getting on fine. Being this so-called stable partner for Toyota, I mean, just being able to convince Toyota—that's just a good skill to have. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, do they have in-house? Like, I feel like this is through an agency, but yeah, <laughs> oh, I don't know. But um, yeah, it's not—it's not ever like one esports like competency that we question, because for almost everything they've done, they're pretty good. The the, the tournaments they did were pretty good. Yeah, they're website which uh, which seems to be like their number one thing is like an seo esports buzz website like I, I didn't predict that that would be their main thing but they execute that better than many 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 other media um like just even just SEO, like titling and what they cover yeah um and the the way to run like i i it's a it's a sharp setup i think they're doing a great job in the mm-hmm. in the media space um what we have always struggled is like what what is on esports what is your identity um and now i think after that sort of purge of their old staff that they're, they're redoing things here and there but um i still don't know what one is yeah, yeah me neither <laughs> are they are they a white label you know tournament series well, because... yeah are they a marketing agency yeah. uh, a media house are they tournament organized i don't know yeah tell me Yuji, i don't know uh well um I've I, your your idea is as good as mine, but one esports also will be partnering with Blizzard Activision, which has been on the news and has been making the rounds, and Ooh. Food Panda Thailand for Call of Duty community growth and scaling. So uh, the deal is just for that in particular because uh, that's what Activision Activision Blizzard's vice president and head of Asia said. Uh, there's no planned activations yet to be announced, nor any tournament IP yet to be announced, but. Uh, historically, One Esports has done a Call of Duty tournament series um, for Call of Duty. That's, that, that's, that's the only thing they've ever done. I remember them having like influencer battles. Oh, yeah. Call of Duty. I don't remember them having like. Is this for COD M or COD the PC? Is it for COD M? No, this isn't for COD M. This is for Call of Duty. Surely PC. not. Hey, on that subject, um, shout out to um, Felicia Lim, um, who has gone over to Twitch. Yeah, nice. Yeah, she's the Asian Pacific head of games uh, business development at Twitch. Wow. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, moving on from one. There you go. Who's staying within the gaming game space and leading, helping up head up Twitch. You know, that's well, hey, you got amazing. a resume if you got, you went from you know, you Blizzard and one <laughs> esports and then um, over to Twitch. Yeah. So yeah. it's a solid, um, solid track record right there. Yep. But, uh, Moving on, because like there's literally nothing to talk about this activation. <laughs> um, Fnatic, interestingly, has announced the esports safeguarding policies. Uh, they have two policies in particular, mm. the children and young people safeguarding policy and the adults at risk safeguarding policy. So mm. the policies describe the risks faced by both groups and details how Fnatic aims to approaching uh, aims to approach safeguarding in the future for these two audience groups. Now, so, what are they safeguarding them Yeah, from? they're safeguarding them against uh, bad partners, 
uh, bad contracts. Uh, yep. And also um, their career health in general. So they're trying to set some standards. Okay. All right. Is this what Fnatic should be focusing on? Uh, this is yeah, a good thing. I don't know. Do. They don't seem like a regulatory group or anything like that, right? True, true. That's, that's, I mean, this stuff always comes from people who are like, we have an association. Yeah. And it's like, well, you don't have any prerogative to make anyone do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's good to see it coming from the teams. Um, just on Fnatic, why, why, I'd sort of point out that just on social media, mm-hmm. the stuff that the algorithm just puts in front of me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fnatic has been nothing but negative mm. for like, like months. Oh, yeah. From like fans saying I'm concerned about the direction of Fnatic to to Sam Matthews being like, guys, I know our social media is bad. We're having new people <laughs> soon. Um, like, I, I just haven't seen positive things about Fnatic in yeah, the longest yeah, me time. Yeah, me neither. Shout seen, out to Fnatic. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Sam Matthews. <laughs> who is on like full fire control mode right the wildfires are all over fanatic fanatic stations are we going to see a, an article in the next week saying they've just raised another round of money <laughs> oh the safeguarding policies are just a PR blitz <laughs> you, you reckon well it's good to see it I mean uh, protecting yeah. people from bad partners that, yeah. that's actually in Dota that's been a thing where it's, it's like really a lot important. of dodgy partners um, oh my god, Matthew Chan just replied to me. What a world. Um, what he, he said, hello, sir. Ah, <laughs> okay. Spamming him. Get him on the damn show. We're going to have the most hotly demanded <laughs> esports hotly property demanded in Chan. Southeast Asia, Matthew Chan. If we can afford his fee. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so that, that's interesting. Well, let's, there's no reason for other teams not to, not to match this. Yeah. Um, I suppose you have to be a, an org that's big enough to have a bit of in-house legal counsel um, mm-hmm. to be able to offer these kind of safeguarding things. Mm-hmm. Um, did they mention anything specifically other than bad partners in, in contracts? Uh, no, they have specifically avoided <laughs> mentioning any other details. Uh, okay. In fact, the the point about bad partners was uh, elaboration on Twitter. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So the entity that works with Fnatic for this is called a Mm -hmm. consultant. Is a consultancy company called Safeguarding Today, and you know there has been no endorsements from you know the esports player association or you know whatever. Yeah, but the policies and the report can be found on Fnatic's website. Okay, check it out. I I I find this a very interesting part Mm. of um esports yeah and um you know if there ever gets to a point where it's like people always talk about regulation in esports yeah um but one thing you'll want to have um even if you don't partner with a thing i think in just terms of like policy as a publisher or as a team you need to have something set up to like safeguard um or, or have a plan set up to deal with like either you know, like match fixing approaches, integrity, yeah. and like if you think you're being taken advantage of, you need to have someone you can contact. Mm-hmm. If you think your contract is bad, if you think you're you're you you you've just joined a team and they're partnering with some like dodgy people, and when they take you out to K barbecue, brag how they've <laughs> killed thirty people. You know, yeah, they yeah. sell stolen vacuums or whatever. You know, the typical esports stuff that you encounter. The the um, typical pitch. <laughs> the typical pitch. Um, then yeah you should have someone to go to i think even if you're a small little team yeah put put something to paper yeah 
that's a policy and it all protect you as well if the players don't do anything because then you're like well look you know we we stress that if anything happens they can contact this or there's an independent third party or whatever but they didn't Mm. um you know i'm all for global standards and i think you know games should actually endorse the global standards because they know that they want to run an esports scene so just have the resources ready for all, all these young and impressionable people about to come into the industry and about to be get this exploited by our locals, you know. Exactly. Speaking of exploitation. Oh my god. Uh, Blizzard Activision has been in the news recently and we just wanted to acknowledge what's happening in the games industry right now. Like uh for the past few years we've been seeing reports of uh extreme poor, you know, workplace behavior. I mean across all AAA companies, right? Riot, Blizzard Ubisoft in particular recently and um, this is actually a problem at large for the industry and uh, uh, we just wanted everyone to know that right now that there's a lawsuit going on uh, litigating against Blizzard Activision's exploitative and you know toxic workplace Mm. problems extensive yeah extensive did did Riot get sued or they settled out of court right Riot did get sued they tried to settle I think there's a class action against Riot but I know they had to pay out their female employees quite a lot of money Mm. but But actually it's funny you bring it right because then when I think about reading the details of that harassment there is a lot of very similar things Um, it's often described as like a frat boy culture the same words exactly yeah, it's just that um, I, I feel it's very unfortunate because we've been we also hear these things in the esports industry, and we had this large backlash which ousted you know those more egregious talents. But I'm sure on the corporate side, it's still happening. Yeah, look, I, I, I'm I'm in the lucky position to not give a shit about Blizzard, <laughs> um, which makes this easier for me. A lot of people get real torn because Blizzard to a lot of people is like a, such a prominent publisher yeah um you know like like if you grew up with like you know Warcraft, Warcraft, and diablo and and wow you know they really shaped your childhood and and for a lot of people shaped their journey into online games yeah um and even if you take away all this they've been going down a bad path (laughs) of becoming just a shadow of their former selves in terms of where their games have gone so it's even more depressing like if you're a wow player and you've just watched your iconic game get destroyed by poor decisions then to find out that the people who have been you know (laughs) drilling your game into the ground um have also been crawling around on the ground drunk and groping female employees while they try and work it's like a double whammy yeah and um i think people are rightly just outraged you know like blizzard blizzard is just it is a joke Even even before this, they were in trouble. But now, I mean, that company is just a joke. Um, as a as a developer, and and now also as a as a company as well, and the culture they have, um, you know, I I don't know. I, there's people who care more about it, but um, I think it's pretty disgraceful. But as you mentioned before, this is the the issues that they have, it's not just a Blizzard issue. It is like a like a corporate gaming issue where you have like yeah a lot of guys who grew up with games and online games um, and now they're sort of in positions of power in this industry. And so often we hear it's just like a frat boy, like, yeah, you know, it's like they think it's cool. Um, 
Even I think in um, Ubisoft Singapore, the um, CEO. Oh, yeah. Not, not that recently, but I'm quite sure he was, or someone high up. He was accused. Uh, I think the art director. He definitely left. Yeah, he <laughs> <know> left. That. <laughs> um, and he he um, touched my cameraman. Oh, <laughs> no. Not inappropriately, but okay. that was the, that was the red flag I knew. He uh, bumped him. He chest bumped him and he said, nice shirt. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Speaking of Ubisoft, yeah. by the way, uh, recently mm. there was an article on Kotaku, a very thoroughly investigated article uh, on the troubles of the Ubisoft Singapore studio. And uh, a particular detail wasn't you know, the fact that there was you know huge sexual exploitation <laughs> or you know, frat boy practices going on. A huge issue with that that there was that was uh, raised up in the article was uh, French glass ceiling. The fact that if you didn't weren't able to speak French or wasn't French or was rather a Singaporean that you know just spoke English and whatever language that you had as your mother tongue, you simply couldn't progress into higher managerial positions and actually make decisions. And uh, apparently the working culture is really toxic as well with in the boardroom, uh, the game designers and art people being made to feel that they are extremely incompetent and being made mm. to redo things in the vision of these uh, so-called um, directors. Some of, some of the directors, not all of them, not all are bad, but enough of them are bad to gaslight all their employees. And... Uh, the yeah. um you ever notice when you work in startups or in companies yes um that there are some people who kind of do nothing and they often justify <laughs> their position by micromanaging underneath them but like that's how they like yeah yeah, yeah. they bring value mm. or like talk down to people and it's like well i need to i need to get upset about this minor mistake true because true. otherwise i i really don't do anything I'm going to get upset. These people are the most toxic uh, employees. Yeah. Businesses just hang on to them for way too long. Just get rid of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm refracting here because I'm thinking about people I've worked with. Who yeah. Are like, you're useless. <laughs> you're useless and you're rude to the people. It comes from you. a position of truth. It doesn't it come from, from you know, theory and hearsay. It comes from personal experience. Personal <laughs> salt against yeah. certain individuals. Um, yeah, but anyway, I mean, we can't comment too much because obviously it's like true an active investigation, and they they will have their day in court, I'm sure. But it just sucks. Yeah, it does. It just sucks. It does. My beloved Sad. industry going down in flames, burning all yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. This is what like we always, you know, this is what everyone probably suspects is always going on. Yeah. Like, the Dota. I'm not surprised that like the. The reckoning that happened with all the Dota casters and stuff like that, and uh, I'm not surprised that it's happening in an industry where, like, you know, thirty somethings um, who grew up with games who are now in positions of power are acting in business like they do when they play games. Oh yeah, like call each other the N word and harass people and be yeah. as rude as possible and just laugh it off as that's just fun. Man. It's just banter. No, there's, no, there's that really. carryover. There is that carryover. I think there's a little carryover there. Yeah. But yeah, if you guys want to know more, you can read up on the Blizzard Activision lawsuits as well as the Ubisoft investigation which is currently ongoing for Ubisoft Singapore. But that has been all from us from this episode of Esports Asia Weekly. Dane, do you have any closing comments? Uh, no, uh, stay safe. Um, don't, um, don't harass people. <laughs> <laughs> Unless yeah. it's done. 
you can harass. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you PM see you. any teams pulling out of Wild Rift, tag Ban at Chisin on Twitter. Chisin RPL, tag him. Yes, tag him, tag him. And uh, yeah, see you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Bye. All right, awesome. I can't stop eating the menthols. Yeah.